Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Today we're going to get right into the message, our next part of the series on faith that moves mountains. Today's message is called Victorious Power. And I'm telling you, I feel power in the room already, even during praise and worship. Praise God. First John chapter 5, verse 4 is where we're going to start from the Passion Translation, a great paraphrase. It says this, you see, every child of God overcomes the world. I could just stop right there and just preach for a little bit. Every child of God. Are you part of every? Are you part of, uh, are, are, you, are you the exception to the rule? God can't do it for you? No. You are part of every. every. You see, every child of God overcomes the world for our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. So who are the world conquerors defeating its power? Those who believe that Jesus is the son of God. This is the victorious power. This is, this is our faith. I want to weave in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 from two different translations. King, New King James says this, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession. You've said the right things in agreement with God in the presence of many witnesses. I like it from the message. It says this, Run hard and fast in the faith. This is, this is not wimpy language. This is aggressive language. Run hard and fast in the faith. Seize the eternal life, the life you were called to, the life you so fervently embraced in the presence of so many witnesses. You've got to go after the life God has promised you by faith. Say amen. amen. Let's pray one more time. Father, open the eyes of our heart that we can understand, take hold of your word, Let the spirit of faith in this place envelop us to step out and to believe you for signs and wonders and miracles in seeing lives changed and seeing our community blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. If you didn't get a chance to watch so far or listen, please watch online uh, to the previous messages because we're building on a foundation here. And there's so much I always, when I think about the subject of faith, I always go into it thinking, oh, this is going to be a nice series, and I love to study this stuff. The problem is when you actually start getting curious about a certain subject in the Word, and you start leaning into it, the more you see, the more you see. The more you look, the more you want to look. And so I could preach, I, I could do a whole year on faith and still not really scratch the surface because it's such a, it's, it's the key to everything that we access in God. And we're going to talk about it today a little bit more. We live in a time where there's so many challenges to simply keeping and growing in our faith. But remember this, faith itself is such a dynamic force. I love Jude chapter three from the message. Jude, Jude writes, I have to write insisting and begging that you fight with everything you have in you for this faith entrusted to us as a gift to guard and to cherish. 
Your faith is a gift and you have to guard it and cherish it and nurture it and grow it. You're responsible to build it up, to build yourself on, on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost as we said a couple of weeks ago. This Bible faith is more than head knowledge. Well, I call it college knowledge. College is great, but college didn't give me what's inside my spirit. Leaning into the word of God, the inerrant, the inspired, the infallible word of God. That God doesn't make mistakes. He didn't say anything wrong. If we don't see it, it's because we don't, we don't see it correctly. It's because we're not there yet, but God is working on your behalf. But we need more than head knowledge. We need deeper, stronger heart emanating knowledge. We need, we, need, we need revelation knowledge. We need God to turn the light on in our hearts that we can grab things with the core of our being. Because when you have Bible faith, something goes off inside of you. It's not a, oh yes, I, I think I see that. Well, you can see that till you're blue in the face, but if you're not activated and moving forward in something, you, you, you're, just, you're just trapped in your head and you're not really living strong in your spirit. Because faith is a spiritual force. It's a dynamic force. Faith is not just a belief system or a belief there is a God. Or let me, let me just say for those of you uh, who may be newer, faith is not believing in a higher power. It's believing that Jesus Christ is the one and only son of the living God. Amen. And that kind of faith overcomes the world. You overcome by faith. It is the victory. In other words, when you're believing, when you're trusting, when you're holding on to God and you're still believing, even though everything else around you is saying something different, you already won. You already have the victory. Just keep stepping. Just keep moving forward because you're trusting God. You don't have to understand everything. You don't have to know everything. You just have to, you have to trust him and believe him. Faith endures and perseveres through challenges and disappointments. You say, Pastor, you ever been believed God for something and been disappointed that didn't come to pass like you thought and when you thought? Yeah, how much time do you have? <laughs> if I stopped trusting God because I got disappointed, I'd have never made it out of sea spot run in the Bible. Well, that's not in the Bible, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Some of you didn't grow up with hooked on phonics, so you don't even know who spot is. But anyway, the bottom line is that we move forward and we trust him. And when we get hit or disappointed, it's not because God messed up. It's because we didn't see the interpretation correctly. Or most of the time, it's a timing issue. It's a timing issue. And so you just have to adjust your time and say, okay, God, my, my times are in your hands. My, you're, you're, the, you're the author and finisher of our faith. So you wrote the book and you're gonna finish what you promised in our faith. But do we get disappointed? Yeah, that's what Paul the apostle said. Uh, cast down, but not forsaken. You know, shipwrecked, but still swimming. You know, we're still, we're still believing God. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And we overcome by still trusting in him and doubling down on that fact that we trust in him when all the odds are against us. 
Man, I feel the spirit of faith here today. When circumstances are screaming at you and you have to stand up in faith and speak and agree with God's word, you have already won. Just keep believing. Just persevere. One of the great uh, texts in the New Testament that I love is in Mark chapter 5 when Jairus, an important leader of the local synagogue, whose daughter was so sick she was about to die, he humbled himself before Jesus. The Bible said he came even though he wasn't necessarily If he was a believer, he was a secret believer, but he knew that his daughter was dying and he was desperate. And out of that desperation, he did something that maybe the other people in the synagogue would have been pretty offended by. He went and worshiped Jesus. And he bowed down and he pleaded with him to come to his house and heal his daughter. Mark chapter five, verse 22 said this, behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came. He was a leader. He was a synagogue leader. This is an important guy. Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and he begged him earnestly, saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Listen to this language. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. She will live. This guy, he might have been trapped in a religious fragment of society at that moment, but at that moment, it didn't matter. At that moment, he is in a desperate situation and he comes to Jesus in worship, in in praising him in advance, and then he says what he believes. I believe if you come to our house and you lay your hands on my sick daughter, she will live. How many know that's faith language? He's believing there. He's accessing. He's going. Jesus, Jesus, uh, the Bible says, verse 24, so Jesus went with him. Doesn't say Jesus questioned. Doesn't say Jesus made a big speech. Jesus went with the man who stood with him in faith. And you think, oh, that's a great story. No, that's not the end of the story. And the Bible says a great multitude followed him and thronged him. That means they threw their throngs at him. No, 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 that's not what this is. They thronged him. My friends, sometimes when you, when you look at something, you read it a thousand times, you have to look at it again. So I like to do little word studies and look in different translations. One thing I did, just, I just took a peek at Strong's Concordance to see what the name Jairus means. Jairus, his name means whom God enlightens. Or in other words, the one who gets a revelation. Jairus had a revelation. In his desperate time. Now, had his daughter not gotten sick, we don't know Jairus would have just kept going as the religious leader and telling other people, don't go to Jesus. He's, he, he, he's claiming to be a son of God and that's blasphemy. In this moment of desperation, he does something in actual faith according to his enlightenment. One whom God enlightens. Isn't that a great thought? Boy, I want to be Jairus. I want to be that way. I want to be enlightened like that. <clears throat> so, the Amplified says, it says thronged him, doesn't say thonged him. It says they pressed him, Amplified says, pressed him from all sides as if to suffocate him. In other words, that this is, that this is a big deal, that the, the, the crowd is pressing in to where you get, you're, you ever been in a concert and everybody's trying to get close to the front of the stage? 
Um, you know, years, a few years ago, Pastor Julian Melfi, I was in London, and he took me to one of those outdoor uh, festivals in London to see Aerosmith. And, we, and he said, look, we're going to position ourselves right here. But he said, uh, we're going to work our way up to the front. I said, okay, I'm in. These guys are 100 years old, but I like them. You know, I'm going to, we're going to, that's good. I, I, just, just say, walk this way, and I'm with you. <clears throat> just don't give me a kiss. But anyway, so, so we're kind of working our way up, and then we could only get certain distance. And what we didn't see was that there was a long runway from the stage that came only about five feet from us. So we're trying to make our friend of the stage. We're still back 40, 50 feet. We're like, oh, this is it. All of a sudden, during the concert, Stephen Tyler comes running down the, this runway, and he's standing right there. And it just kind of freaks you out when you're like, ah. Oh. See, when you're pressing in, man, when the crowds, I'm telling you, you could, you could hardly breathe. And that's when you really hope that there's no emergencies. That's how people get hurt. Well, this is the kind of scene when Jairus and Jesus are walking to go to his house. And many of you know the story, in the middle of the chaos, a woman with aggressive, risk-taking faith herself pressed through that crowd, got on her hands and knees and touched the hem of his garment, looking for healing for herself. And power flowed out of him, even though he didn't even, he didn't even really know what was going on at the time in his humanness, but the anointing flowed. The anointing moved. And this woman was completely, and Jesus stopped and said, who touched me in a crowd like that? They're pressing him enough to suffocate him. And they, they, Peter, James, and John are with him and said, Jesus, um, everybody touched you. Who didn't touch you? That's the question. He said, no, no. Somebody touched me with a different expectation, a different attitude a different something. And I felt, the one, one, one translation says virtue. I felt power. I felt power go out from me. Who is that person? Now this woman, because of her condition, wasn't allowed out of the house by law. Under the Old Testament law, she wasn't allowed out of the house. And if she touched people, it's, it's maybe a death sentence. It's definitely a death sentence if she touches a rabbi. She is, you talking about risky, risky business? She is taking a risk. She, if she identifies herself now, she may be arrested. She may be thrown into prison. She may be instantly taken out of the city and stoned to death. But in faith, she says, it was me. And Jesus stopped and ministered to her and said, lady, your faith has made you well. Now go your way and be whole like that. Be, be well. Live in what you're expecting. Live in what you're believing for. Now that's all a great story, except Jairus. Jairus is now standing there thinking, what is going on? I remember when we were, when we were working with Pastor Benny Hinn, there were times he was moving prophetically a couple of times he said something, you know, 
Richard and Gail, and he'd call me and my wife out, and I, I, just stand right there, I'll have a word for you. And then something would happen, and somebody would touch him, or he'd get another prophetic unction, and he's over here, and then he turns back, and he completely forgets why we're standing there. And we would go home like, well, what was that? We got, we, got, we got called out, he has a word, and it never, we never got it. And it's so disappointing, you just feel like, I mean, we went home a couple of times, kind of dejected and like, it almost felt like God rejected us, but it, you know, it wasn't. But you know what I'm saying? It was like, well, that was a missed appointment. We needed a word, we needed a thought, we needed something to encourage us to keep moving forward. And he was about to give it and it got nothing. But God never is distracted. And he never has a purpose. Sometimes the purpose is how you react to the disappointment. Sometimes that is the purpose. Sometimes that is it. So as they're standing there and this whole scene moves with this lady, the lady's completely healed. I'm sure Jairus is thinking, that's great lady. Get out of the way. He said, go home. And while they're standing there, some of the people from Jairus' house run up to him and said, too late. Leave the master alone. Leave the rabbi alone. It's too late. She's already dead. Come with us. Now you got a choice. Now you have a choice to make because Jesus knows instantly what's going on in the situation. He turns to Jairus and says, don't be afraid or fear not. Just believe. Only believe. Fear not. Don't let fear. So in other words, there's something moving. Fear... Fear is moving. Somebody, somebody said fear is like faith in reverse. Fear is like putting faith in what the devil is saying, what the enemy is doing to your brain. Fear is that activation point. Faith and fear cannot exist together. They cannot, they cannot inhabit the same space. So at that moment, the ultimate disappointment is your daughter's already dead, too late. And Jesus says... Don't let that thing take your head away from what I already told you and what you already said you believed in your heart. You already said, if I come to your house, lay my hands on your daughter, she shall live, right? That's, that's, you already said that. This release of anointing along the road did not stop that. Neither did the news that she's already dead. Stop that. Just only believe. Just believe. Just trust God. Trust me, Jesus said. He said, trust me, I've still got this. That's my paraphrase. Trust me, I've still got this. And I think that's a word for somebody here today. 
It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what anybody's saying. It doesn't matter what the circumstances say. And it doesn't, it, let me tell you one thing. It certainly doesn't matter when somebody says too late for God. Too, too late, too late. God can't do this one now. Too late. Lie. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Too late is not in God's vocabulary. It's never too late for God. You might, be, you might be in a situation where you passed a deadline of something or a big bill came due or whatever else, and you're going like, well, they're saying it's too late. Are you telling me it's too late to trust God? Do you actually believe that the creator of the universe is bound by your calendar or by your bill collector? No. I, and listen, I'm, I'm not making excuses. Do not make excuses to pay bills late by saying, well, God's, God's going to take care of it. Isn't that late? No. If you have it within your ability, you take care of it. That's the point. That's integrity. Okay? That's virtue. That's integrity. You do the right thing. But if you get down to that last minute, you know, they, they come at the 11th hour. God is sometimes at 12.15. It's past midnight. And he's still God. And you can't imagine, I've said it many times before that in our, in our few years of preparation for ministry back in the 80s, we went through some very, very dark times financially, very dark, stretched times. But we call it now our faith walk time. In the, in, in, the, in the middle of it, we tried to call it faith walk time. We wanted to call it, this is stupid. <laughs> this hurts time. But faith walk time, God came through time and time again. But here's the, here's the thing. Once somebody gave us a holy handshake and put like a $50 to $100 bill in our hands, and then the next week I wanted to shake everybody's hand. Some, one time... During that time, by the way, the apartment God opened up for us at the time was at Lake Destiny. So like, okay, you're still with us. Well, then we got a, an unexpected blessing in the mail. Well, I wanted to hug the mailman every day when he came by. And, uh, you know, so I went by, look into the mailbox every day because that's how he did it last time. God is not gonna be bound and limited by what he just did. So Jairus is processing all this. He got the worst. Think about this. The worst news at the worst time, I call it a gut punch. It's like, boom, just takes your breath away. You can't do anything in those moments in your own strength. Jesus, the living word, is speaking the word. Trust me. In that fear not, only believe, that word, when Jesus says believe, he's releasing power to do it. So in that moment, all Jairus had to do was, okay, I received that. Mind is still going. Bad news is still happening. Death is still death. But the Bible says our God swallows death even up in victory. Because death isn't even the end for us. Now, as they get to that place, Jesus, the Bible says, 
only allowed Peter, James, and John to go the rest of the way. I thought that was interesting. If you look at the scripture, so this is the whole thing from Jairus through the woman with the issue of blood, and now Jesus says, okay, Peter, James, and John, you're the only ones coming with me. Everybody else, he got rid of the crowd. That's a big thing when you're, when you're moving in faith. Sometimes you gotta get rid of what the crowd is talking about. <clears throat> then Jesus approaches the house, and if you read the language, he clears the house, almost like he did when he cleansed the temple of the money changers. Jesus cleans house. He says, okay, all, you are, all y'all who are crying, out. Now that seems a little harsh until you understand that the customs of the day is they had professional criers. When somebody died, they had people to come just to be sad. They got paid to be sad. He said, all you sad sacks, out. The word is clear. He says, Jairus, bring your wife. Peter, James, and John, you come in, everybody else goes. Now he comes in and they said, well, you know, how can you be that way when she's dead? Jesus said, Jesus said to the crowd as he's walking them out the door, she's not dead, she's just asleep. They're like, what? Now he speaks to the girl, Talitha Kumai. But he, if you look, I was looking at the original language in some of this stuff and basically he says, wake up. Wake up, girl, young lady. It's time to wake up. It wasn't dramatic. I'm sure it was dramatic, but he he wasn't like, Red Sea parted. You know, it wasn't like, he just said, I just told him you were asleep. And the Bible says she immediately got up and walked around. She had him walked around with him. She hung out with Jesus. On your worst days, Just don't let the fear take over your brain and put you in distress. Trust him. Faith at its core is trusting him when it's hard. Choosing trust, choosing to believe God in the middle of distractions and interruptions and other people, somebody, he, he, listen, he could have said, he could, his faith could have been, Jesus gets loaded up for a miracle and then he releases a miracle. Well, on the way to his miracle, he released a miracle. Maybe he doesn't have another miracle in him right now. Maybe he's got to reload. We don't know what he's thinking. But if his, if his brain is going like, well, she took my miracle. She took mine. Now you're really in trouble because now you're into jealousy, envy, strife. And the Bible says that's where every demonic work is. Now you're comparing yourself with somebody else. Fear not. Fear not. Don't, Don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe. Just trust God. Just believe. And the believing part was that they just kept walking. The believing part was, I mean, Jairus, I'm sure is like, I gotta go get with my wife. Come on, let's run. No. You can't run. You can't. He, if he would have run ahead, he'd have found a dead daughter. This is for somebody, okay? This is, this is not in my notes, this is in my spirit. 
We can run sometimes to try to hurry God toward what we're believing for. But if we get there ahead of time, it's just us and the situation and circumstance is as bad as it is. But if I can walk with Jesus, fear not. If I could just take an, another step forward without that anxiety and that stress going, I gotta get the, come on, please. Could you please hurry before? Yeah, I mean, Jairus is probably looking, uh, is there any other women gonna touch his clothes today? What else is coming? You know, he's probably like guarding Jesus like ninja, you know, making sure nobody else is gonna tell him, get the miracle again. He didn't know what was gonna happen, but his faith had been set before. Jesus had to just get him back to the faith track. Remember what you said. What did you see? What did you believe before? You're going to come to my house. If you come, lay hands on my door. Now, interestingly enough, the Bible doesn't say Jesus laid hands on her. He just spoke to her. He just spoke to her and said, wake up. Now, I would say here <clears throat> that I think where we are in the body of Christ right now in America and really throughout the world is there's so many Christians that are sleeping and we just need the master to wake us up. We just need that awakening, that quickening, even in the church. Can you say amen? Don't get distracted by interruptions. Jesus is undeterred. God is focused on everything at once, carrying victorious power is both a privilege and a responsibility. The word privilege is defined as a special advantage given by honor or birthright. It's a privilege, we're, we're children of the king. But it comes with responsibility. The word responsibility means the state of accountability or bestowing a sense of duty for a task. We've been given a sense of duty for the purposes of God that are ahead of us. Jesus said it this way, to whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. We gotta get our eyes back on the purpose of faith. That when we're, when we're accessing God, it's for a purpose. When we're accessing his presence and his power, it's for a reason. And that reason is not always selfish. It's not always self-serving. In fact, it's not to be self-serving. It's to be God-serving. It's to be uh, uh, serving in the sense of, um, look, I am blessed. I, 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 I am, I've been given much in my life. But that means God's going to require much. It's not that you ever get to easy street, my friend. It's not that, that you're just trying to build up your 401k so you can sit back and do nothing. Amen. We say this way around here, you are blessed to be a blessing. Amen. The more blessed you are, the more you have as a resource to help somebody else or other people and not just more for yourself. We also say around here, if God can get it through you, he can get it to you. If you'll be a conduit, a wire, or a, 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 if you'll be a place where God can move his power through you, 
You're going to have enough of his power to you and for you. But the problem is we get selfish with what God is doing and we get out of faith. A couple more things and I'm done. Faith is a hard attitude. That's what Jairus was, Jairus was tested on. <clears throat> it's a hard attitude. It's humility mixed with confidence in God. Confidence doesn't mean arrogance. A lot of people misinterpret that. Confidence doesn't mean arrogance. If you're confident in God, it may look like arrogance at times, but it's not. It's firmly rooted in the fact that you're trusting him to do something that you know only he can do. And it's not about the way you look or the way people think of you. <clears throat> when you're genuinely anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't have to prove it to anybody. You have to show it off. You just have to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit, do the next thing he tells you to do. And I, I, I'll say it this way. When the enemy comes and says to Jesus, if you're really the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Jesus spoke the word and never, he didn't turn stones into a snack. He was hungry, but he didn't serve himself. So he turned and deflected and he spoke the word and said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I need to hear the next thing God is saying. And the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And that's what helps me to move forward in faith. Jesus spoke the word in power and you can speak the word in power as well. Finally this, faith cultivates a grateful heart. Thanksgiving shouldn't be the only time of year that we pause to express appreciation to our amazing and generous God. If you're not amazed by him, pray God gives you your wonder back. Come to him as a little child. Children are still in awe. Part of the loss of innocence of our children this time in the world that's so scary to me is when we lose the innocence, we lose the wonder, we lose the awe, we lose the splendor, we lose the wow. Think about the holidays when you were a kid. Those moments when grandparents or many people that are in heaven today are gone from this earth you can think back to those times when you heard that sound on the roof on Christmas Eve. You knew someone's coming to load up presents. Hopefully you fell asleep. Sometimes you wake up early. The rule in our house was until light, until the sun was up, <clears throat> you couldn't wake anybody up. I can't say I always lived with that rule. But think about that. Oh, family gathered around Thanksgiving or Christmas, a big meal, all the food. I'm getting hungry thinking about it. Thanksgiving is not a, it's not just an event. It should be an event here where we turn our hearts toward God in that way, but it shouldn't be the only time of year we do this. Zig Ziglar always said, an attitude of gratitude determines your altitude. The way that you're going forward, the, the heights you reach, if you, if you just stay grateful, 
Faith cultivates a grateful heart. You have to count your blessings. You have to choose in those moments when you get bad news or distracted or somebody took your miracle or somebody else got your word or something happened good for somebody else that you were believing for the same thing for you. You have to stop in those moments and say, hey, thank you, Father. You never run out of blessing. You never fail us. My friends, thankfulness is the great equalizer for true humility. Because you're dependent on God. Stay grateful. Stay thankful. Stay patient in timing. You say, oh, I don't like the word patience. I don't either. Brother Summerall used to tell us, don't ever pray for patience. God will do it anyway. Don't have to ask for it. But I want to say this as I close. To me, and this is in my experience, this is not a scripture, but it's an experience. Mountain moving faith usually comes with a pickaxe. Meaning that mountain usually moves one wheelbarrow at a time. It doesn't always move from here to there. There are usually things along the way that make it a project and a process. Let that mountain moving faith work in you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. Lord, you're so good to us. We trust in you. We believe your word and your promises. Lord, today for those that are watching at home or around or those in the room, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and move in this place. Help us not to be distracted by stuff that just tries to grab our attention for a moment. Let our hearts be set on you. Our hearts be set in faith, Lord, as we are having family around this week or we're getting to be around them. Would you help us to be the healers this week, the peacemakers, the blessors? Lord, we acknowledge that every good and perfect gift comes from you, Father, and you alone. And we say thank you for health, for protection, for your love, for our spouse, for our family, our friends, for every good thing. Thank you for the ability to work and the jobs you've given us, the callings you've given us, Father. At this moment in time, whether people are in a job or in a career, a calling, Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to provide for our families. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Help us to grow in faith. In Jesus' name. Just there, right that, in that moment. Faith begins, real Bible faith starts with what we call saving faith. The moment that you passed from death to life.
the moment you said that you like Jairus had an enlightenment, a revelation. Wait a minute. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe Jesus is real. Maybe the Bible is the word of God and not just a, an ancient book. Whatever that revelation means to you, you have to do something with that moment and just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Change me, forgive me, fill me. Do something great in me. If you do that today, you're gonna have the greatest miracle that can ever possibly happen. That is that you can be dead one moment spiritually and you become alive the next. Ask him into your life today in Jesus' name. Did you get anything today? I sure hope so. <clears throat> I hope you got something good. Come on, let's praise God. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.